1: Welcome into another edition of the five reasons podcast my name is Chris Whittingham joined as always by Ethan Skolno you can find everything we're doing in the five reasons sports network including episodes of this podcast where you can find it on your preferred prod- podcast provider at FiveReasonSports.com. sports.com you can find all the other podcasts in our network today though we are highlighting two podcasts because it is NFL draft week we very much recommend the fish tank this week an incredible episode with Stu Weinstein the former head of security for the Miami Dolphins talking about an aspect of the draft I never considered the aspect of doing background research and all these players uh, Stu Weinstein describing how he would uh, do background checks on 600 draft prospects and 300 unrestricted free agents for the Dolphins to have reports and thoughts on all of them it was great stuff check it out the fish tank with Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie, and of course three yards per carry Simon Clancy Alfredo Artiaga, and of course our guest today Chris Kaufman is coming up to join us to preview the draft they are as big of draft nerds as anyone that I know and uh, uh, that is why we have them on this time of year, so we can really dig into what's going on with the Miami Dolphins. We're picking at 13 this year, uh, but we're not going to start there, and CK, we very much appreciate you doing this. Um, we want to start with uh, Josh Rosen. Um, so Arizona, and I was listening to Adam, Sche- I'm, I'm cramming right now on the draft. I haven't really been in <laughs> on the whole process, so I've been cramming, and I was listening to Adam Schefter's podcast today with uh, Mel Kiper and Todd McShay, and he was talking about that he he sounded very confident, and without explicitly saying it, that Kyler Murray is going number one uh, to the Arizona hmm. Cardinals. Um, so n- Josh Rosen is available. If you're the Dolphins, uh, CK, what is your price uh, if you are going after Josh Rosen? And you, do you even like the idea to begin with?
2: I don't much like the idea to begin with, but it, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be a price. I just think a third-round pick, is, which is what people are talking about, might be a little bit rich for my blood. I know that sounds crazy because he was just a top 10 pick one year ago and everybody likes to talk about his time with the Cardinals and say, well, listen, it was a bad team. All forgiven. He was a rookie. Um, I get that. And I, but I also, you know, sort of the risk manager in me worries about catching a falling knife on a guy like him. And there's not much history uh, to those kinds of trades of quarterbacks that, were taken kind of high and then had some challenges ending up working out well. Um, I, the, for me, Josh Rosen, the problem goes back. Well, first off I, admit, I I admit I had him as a first round pick a year ago. So I'm sort of changing my mind one year later on him already. And the reason that I am is because it goes back a little bit further than just the one year in Arizona. I think if you look back at his entire career at UCLA, there was a, A constant stream of underachievement there and we overlooked it coming out of the draft because you know their traits and their skills their core skills that he had um and even hype really because we we settled on you know we focused on all that stuff and said okay well you know maybe things just didn't go so well at UCLA but then you'd fast forward another year and it's another year of underachievement it's another year of poor play um it's another year of you know, him being surrounded by maybe a bad team, but also kind of maybe him making them worse. Um, And and at this point, you're just like, well, maybe I'd like to lay off. But that said – if if we're talking about a conditional future pick, and as opposed to I'm staring in the third round and I see some and we'll talk about draft prospects later. But let's say I'm staring at somebody like um you know like Chuma Edoga, the offensive tackle from USC, or uh, Jelani Tavaí, the uh, the linebacker from Hawaii, or Christian Miller from Alabama, who's a really great pass rusher. I'm staring somebody in the face right there, and I'm going to say. No, I'm not going to take one of those guys. I'm going to go ahead and give it up for Josh Rosen. Um, When the upside just seems really limited to me, uh, then I I don't think I'd do that. I think, you know, maybe future conditional pick, something along those lines.
3: See, here's where I come down on this, and I don't typically disagree with CK very much, uh, particularly from a Dolphins perspective. But when we talk about the value of a pick, uh, I have to put this in the context of what the Dolphins have done with previous third-round <laughs> picks. And, and I know that I shouldn't do that because I know that third-round picks are currency, whether or not you use them or you trade them. But the lack of success that they've had over the years – and look, Chris Greer is still there. Um, you know, I'm not blaming him for everything that's happened before, but he's still part of this process – and my big issue, and Chris Winningham knows this because I beat on this on every single Dolphins podcast we ever do, is that they have not set aside enough resources for the quarterback position over the past 20 years. Uh, actually, going back mm-hmm. further, because they didn't even prepare for Marino. I mean, and I, when I say they, I mean, we're talking about like 12 different regimes, but <laughs> it's just been a consistent pattern when you're talking about, you know, they've only drafted two quarterbacks in the first round since, you know, Marino 1984, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. And so you know my my thing on this is that you keep taking quarterbacks until you find the right one and i know that there's a counter you know prevailing theory here that you don't want to get too good so there's a concern okay what if josh rosen turns out to be too good i know you tweeted that at me today and then you win five or six or seven games and you take yourself out of the running for tua and then You know, you you don't set yourself maybe the next year for Lawrence or whatever is going to happen there. But I just don't think you can operate like that. Like, that's been my issue with this whole Mm. tanking premise the whole offseason is like, yeah, I know what they're trying to do. But like, I don't even know if they're going to be successful at that. They've never been successful at anything. So how (laughs) how are they going to be successful at that? And, and it's like
2: I wrote an article I, to that effect, by the way. You, you
3: you did. And I just don't write. I just don't. you yeah, on five reasons dot com. And I just don't know if if you can do everything scared. And I feel like not bringing in a guy because he might turn out to be decent and he might win you too many games. I mean, that was the same premise with Fitzpatrick. And I, I just you have to feel like a team that like a few people are going to go out to see. Right. And so what's to me, what's the worst case? Like, OK, so you give up a third round pick for Josh Rosen. So that's currency that you've given up. Okay, maybe you would have done something good with it. Maybe you would have packaged it for something else. Maybe you wouldn't have done something good with it. But let's say Josh Rosen comes here and he's bad. Okay, he's terrible. Well, then you move further up in the draft next year. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Let's say he's pretty good. What's the worst-case scenario from having a guy who maybe may not be the guy but maybe a guy before you get the guy. And that way, if you don't get Tua the next year, maybe you don't have to reach on another quarterback. I mean, Herbert, let's say who it is. And maybe you say, okay, we can wait for Lawrence Mm. next year. And what if Rosen is just good enough to be a high-level backup? Like Philadelphia did pretty good with a high-level backup. They won a Super Bowl with a high-level backup. The Giants, going way back to Parcells' years, won a Super Bowl with a high-level backup. I I just think, you know – the 49ers had a pretty damn high level backup when Montana was there. I, I just I don't think to me you can never sort of put aside enough resources for the quarterback position. Now, if we want to have a discussion about Rosen as a player, I know you've cooled on him a little bit. That's to me a different conversation. But as far as giving up a third rounder for a quarterback who was a first round pick last year, who didn't have an awful season. He wasn't good, but they were terrible mm, too. I would disagree with that. It was well, a pretty that, awful season. Okay, well, I I think that's a debate we should have. Absolutely. Yeah. But but I but I, but I I just think in general, the quarterback position to me is too important to worry about. I mean, if they're going to end up taking a guard in the third round, like, okay. I mean, maybe they get a free agent guard a year or later. I mean, I, I just, to me, the position is too important to keep putting it off. And I feel like the dolphins have done that for 20 years. They found excuses not to take guys, and that's where they are. That's why they are where they are now.
1: So I I, 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 I want to tackle this from, from one perspective, CK, and that is, uh, to me, the, the key word that you said is upside, that Josh Rosen doesn't really have enough upside to justify this investment, that if the idea is finding your franchise quarterback, that you want to have a quarterback that obviously has that upside to be at the very highest level, are, are you ruling out after year one that he could be that quarterback at the highest level? And... As a follow-up, do you think that if they decided to maybe use that third-round pick on a quarterback that is available in this draft, that there could be someone that they could take as a rookie rather than as a second-year player with that third-round pick or even a second-round pick that you think that could potentially have that level of ceiling that is above what Josh Rosen is right now?
2: In this draft, I, I really only have probably one guy that you could take around that area that I that I feel like could have that sort of up upside. But what I would say about it, first off, on a general level, with this sort of trade, the problem with it is one of two things: commitment and signaling. Uh, when you have, when you get a player, okay, these players, it's not like asking a dealer for new cards to where you flip them over and now you know know what you have magically, okay. the The player has to signal to you what he is. I mean, offensive line guru Tony Spirano in two thousand eight had Evan Mathis signed for a penny contract, and he was there for a few months, and they waived him. They cut him. They didn't think he was worth anything. He didn't signal to them that he was worth anything. He went on to be a multiple all-pro and probably the best guard in football for six, seven years running with Cincinnati and Philadelphia. So it's about signaling. You're not giving Josh Rosen a commitment when you flip a third-round pick for him and say, yeah, okay, maybe you you can play this year or something like that. The question is, how good does he have to be this year in 2019 in order for you to say, you know what, I think we might have a franchise guy here. I'm going to beg off on this 2020 class and I'm not going to go and replace him. I'm going to, this, you know, we did it. We hit the lotto. We hit the Josh Rosen lotto. Like how good, where is that standard? How high, how bright does he need to shine in order to do it? Now you have to take a look. Okay, now how likely is he, is he to actually do that? Because he was already on a bad team, right? He was already on a bad team in Arizona, and he failed with them. He failed badly with them. He had the lowest QBR since anybody's had since uh, Blake Bortles was a rookie. Okay, that was that was how bad he was. And and people talk about the offensive line and say. Well, it's all the offensive line's fault. They were really bad. But you know what? On 60% of the plays, he was not pressured. Uh, He had the lowest passer rating in the NFL on not pressured plays. So it wasn't the offensive line there right? You know, yes, I understand I was a rookie. I understand there was other things going on, but he comes to Miami where things aren't much better. I mean, everybody thinks that Miami sucks, right? Everybody thinks that they have the worst roster in the league. Everybody thinks that, uh, you know, Las Vegas has them with the lowest win total and, and so on and so forth. So how likely is it that Josh Rosen goes from sucking on a sucky team last year to coming to Miami this year and blowing us away, and us saying, "Wow, we did it!" You know, we found we found the franchise quarterback. Because otherwise, let me describe another worst case scenario to you, Ethan. Uh, you said, "What's the worst case scenario?" The worst case scenario to me is that he comes here say he does improve you know within reason he improves to say you know like a 90 passer rating or something like that which by the way is nfl average nowadays so uh so let's say he does get to like an 88 90 90 passer rating they win some games they get further away from tuatanga vialoa and whoever ends up being you know the top quarterbacks in that class and let's say because of that success, Miami says, "You know what? You know, yeah, maybe, maybe we will. You know, we're not going to force the draft, right? That's what they, That's what it all comes down to. They say they're not going to force the draft. They're not going to package everything, mortgage the future, trade up, and get this quarterback and do all this thing. No, we're, we'll let the draft play out to us, and then they don't get a quarterback, and then we have what we have. In effect, is an unfortunate extension of Ryan Tannehill's career in Miami." And that's what the real worst case scenario is with Josh Rosen. It's a matter of commitment. You're not actually committing to Josh Rosen the way that a team does with a top 10 quarterback. And so because you're not committing to them, they have to meet a really high standard for you to say, well, I'm going to keep on going with him. I think he's successful. And how likely is it that he's actually going to meet that standard on this bad team when he's already sucked on a bad team? That's that's the question. I I don't think there's a very high chance at all that he does that, that he meets that standard, that he shines that brightly with Miami and uh, certainly don't think there's a high enough chance to justify a third round pick on it. And that's why I won't do it. That's why I won't do it. It comes out of the third round pick and this player. And saying, you know what, I, you know, I'm going to beg off. It's not that I'm against uh, taking a chance on a quarterback altogether. You know, I've been talking up Easton Stick on North North Dakota State for a long time, and and he's a guy that I would feel comfortable in the mid rounds with. Uh, it's just that this particular opportunity doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
3: No, and I, I get all that. Uh, you know, I'm just evaluating it as if Josh Rosen was coming out in this draft. Right, where would you have him? Would you? Would you? Ha- because I, I think sometimes what happens is the more we see a player, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of the less we like him. Right, and and I mean, and, it, and, it's, it's a used car, right? It's a car that right. that that has depreciated by being driven off the lot. Right. So he's been driven off the lot and into a ditch. Right. Like I mean, that's basically <laughs> what's happening. Well, that's though. kind of the point, isn't it? Well, it, it is. But I guess. So I guess what we're saying is that the to you and look, I understand where you're coming from on it. But to you, the unknown and it's not totally unknown because you've done the tape research on this. But like the unknown of what another guy is going to do in the pros is better Mm -hmm. to you than the known of what we saw Josh Rosen do. And I guess my question is, if Josh Rosen was coming out right now, right now, Mm -hmm. not knowing what he did in Arizona last year in this class, Mm -hmm. where where do you think he would get drafted? If he was coming off his – what was he He played four seasons at UCLA, right? So if he was coming off his senior season at UCLA, Mm. where would he get drafted? He would be behind – I'm assuming he'd be behind Murray. He'd be behind Haskins, probably, right? Would he be behind Locke? Would he be behind Jones? Would he be behind – where would he be ahead of stick right like where would he fit would he be
2: higher than third round do you think the problem here is I, I i disagree with the very premise like you have to ignore what what just happened this year you can't the on the evaluation is ongoing the evaluation never stops with these players okay it, it doesn't it's not as if you evaluate a player you cut it it's done and now he is what he is at the moment of that evaluation and 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 now he has to disprove it The evaluation is always ongoing, so you can't just take things that happen and pretend that they didn't happen. You have to keep evaluating. I think within within that context of the fact that he went and threw more passes, went and disappointed again. You know, which he already had done several times, several years in UCLA. I think within that context, if you know all of that, well, hell, the NFL are the NFL are supposedly only valuing him as a third-round pick right now. So that's sort of your answer. You know, what where would he rate in this class? Well, the NFL aren't willing to trade more than a third-round pick for him, apparently, and that might not even be true because all of this might be sort of being put out there by the Arizona Cardinals who want to drum up some trade interest you, you never know until it happens so i i think that you know the nfl are sort of answering that for you where he would where he would rate in this draft because you can't put the genie back in the bottle you can't pretend that last year didn't happen you know you can't pretend that he didn't show you more and give you more information what you had i mean this is part of we call it in, in finance economics, we call it Bayesian updating. You can't, you can't s- stop doing wait, wait,
3: that. Wait, 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 wait. Do that again? That? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and,
3: and you're the only person in the network who would have said that. I love So this give, give that to me. You're not going to get that on heat beat. Heatbeat. Uh, not even from Nikias. <laughs>
2: We 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 call it in, in, in finance and uh, econ we call it Bayesian updating. It's um it's it's updating updating your previous views with new information. Basically, uh you you have, at in game theory and such, you have at any given point you have uh, expected values and and probabilities of outcomes. Um and then afterwards you have new information and then you go and recalculate those probabilities using the new information. I mean that's. That has to be going on. It's just that's human nature. You have to keep you have to keep evaluating, and you have to keep um, looking at things with the new information that you have. You can't get stuck on something that you thought a year ago and then never update it. And, and that's where I think I am on Josh Rosen. It's not that it's not that I don't want to get quarterback assets. I really do. Um, and it's not that I'm afraid of winning in 2019 either. I you know all things being equal. I I kind of like winning, <laughs> you know. Um I I don't think it I don't think it's uh it's such a sin. Uh, I think they've clearly given up on 2019 and I think that there are advantages uh if you've given up on a year like that there are which we can talk about later um with respect to the 13th overall pick. But um but yeah, I think uh, this particular player I yeah, you know, I was high on him a year a, a year ago or at least high enough to say yeah, I'd take a flyer on him in the first round. Um I tend to be easy to give up a, you know because i am like you ethan i think i think you need to you need to be trying or else what are you doing right um right. at that position and and i i get that so i've given first round or i've said i'll i'll, I'll t- toss a first round pick on guys before that end up being horrible yeah. right mine, because, mine,
1: mine was ryan mallet <laughs> i was, no, I, was I was willing no, to throw I
2: was, that pick away for right ryan Mallett. With you. <laughs> <laughs> i was driving that train man um yeah. so i you know i and i think that over time there have been a lot of you know qb ones that i've had that i would say that i'd say you know that's that's not just somebody i take a flyer on that's somebody i take with the number one overall pick that's like a really you know really special quarterback and, and i have a good list of those not all of them were great Sir, josh rosen was certainly not there you know he was uh, that was reserved for baker mayfield for me but um but I would have taken a flyer on him in the first round. And now I'm saying like a year later, I'm like, you know what? Because here's here's the bottom. If you look over NFL, and this is the last point that I'll, that I'll make because we need to get move on, I'm sure. Um, the last point that I'll make, if you look at the, the last, say, 20 years of NFL history and, and guys that were taken this high in the first round and the ones that were successful that you'd look at and say, you know what? He had a good career. That was a successful quarterback. Of the ones that ended up having to play as rookies, probably about eighty percent of them, or maybe even ninety percent of them, actually showed you good things as a rookie. Like played well. I mean, it might surprise people to know that, but it's true. Like some, most of these guys actually played. Russell Wilson played well as a rookie. You know, Ben Roethlisberger played really well as a rookie. Peyton Manning set, you know, he set rookie records for completions and and yards and attempts and touchdowns. And yeah, he had his first four games where he just threw interceptions like mad, like his first four games of the season, but the last 12 games of the season, he was freaking awesome, you know, for a rookie. Everybody took notice. You know, and and there are a lot of these guys that actually showed something as rookies. If if you thought Josh Rosen had like a forty percent chance of being the guy you want him to be coming out of the draft at, at number ten overall, and you know that, you know, eight, nine out of ten of these guys that are successful showed you something as rookie and as a rookie and Josh Rosen's not one of those. Now what do you think his percentages? That's what I mean about, you know, updating. <laughs> And, and that's that's kind of what, you know, his percentage now is consistent with about a third, fourth round pick. And that's why he's being valued there by the NFL, I think. Uh, I'm just saying that I personally, you know, would beg off.
1: We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the Five Reason Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at That's onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law LAW, they handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000-square-foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayburg, a proud sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Now, and 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 my is sort of viewpoint on this is, I mean, I, I I liked Josh Rosen in college, but again, I think it was for the hype and the trait reasons than than it is for anything that he actually did in college. Um, and mm. then the other thing too that I wanted to have a counterfactual for, but really the the only one I can come up with is Drew Brees. Is there just aren't a lot of examples of a quarterback that just needed a situation change? I think we see this in basketball a lot, where sometimes all a guy needs is a situation. Change to, to, to turn around his career, Victor Lodipo needed two, and he's become a star for the Indiana Pacers. Um, but that, that is more common in basketball than it is in the NFL, where good quarterbacks are good quarterbacks from the team that they are drafted into, and very rarely do you see a quarterback change teams, and you see, oh, clearly it just needed that scenery change for it to totally turn around his career. So I, I think that th- those lack of examples kind of get me off of this, and it, I think in the end what's going to happen here is Washington's going to be one that's going to do this trade. Because I think they're more desperate to have a quarterback for this year and are more desperate to to have a go at this than the Dolphins are, and so I think they're they're going to be willing up to give up a, a better asset, uh, either the 15th pick or or their, or their second round pick, in order to pull this off. So that that would that would be my thought on this, and and I I do indeed want to move on. As you said, CK, um, two of the Dolphins picking at 13. Uh, we can't imagine even if the Dolphins do uh, select their uh, that that pick at all gets affected with a Josh Rosen dealing. So I want to start first with um, the guy in this draft, looking at 13, that you would most want, that you think is the most feasible to end up at 13 for the Dolphins.
2: The most feasible probably is Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State. Uh, if, if I had, you know, my dream, uh, and I don't know if I'd really use that sort of strong terminology, but, you know, fantasy would be Ed Oliver making it down to that, pick at uh, Oliver Houston defensive tackle I, I don't think he's going to I really don't have not thought that there's much possibility of him making it down there I think he's he's just too good he's gonna he's gonna go too high Um, there are a few there's a short list there's a short list of guys I'd be okay with but you know Jeffrey Simmons kind of feels like a guy that'd be a little bit more than just okay with and actually excited about and I mentioned before that there's a there's a reason that you decide as a team that you're not going to care about winning in a particular year and it's i don't i don't necessarily think it's to try and tank and and get the number one overall pick i think it's because that gives you that affords you the ability to look at the draft in a different way than other teams do other teams have to value the winning in 2019 so when they're looking at a guy like jeffrey simmons who can't play in 2019 then even though they know that from 2020 to 2021 2022 He's going to be better than all but maybe four or five other players in the draft. It doesn't matter because he's not going to give them anything in 2019, and they have to value that. But the Miami Dolphins have decided, you know what, we're not going to win in 2019 anyway, so we're going to set that to zero. We don't value it. We don't value 2019. We actually are looking at all these guys as if they're, on, they're going to be on three-year contracts. And so if that's the case, they get to value a guy like Jeffrey Simmons a little bit more than the rest of the league does. Can, can, that, can you
1: explain for the audience
2: what Jeffrey Simmons is as a prospect and, and why that would be the case? Sure, sure. Jeffrey Simmons is a defensive tackle for Mississippi State. Um, he would be probably, I know at least one team, one uh, personnel executive thinks he's the best player in the draft. Michael Lombardi is a formal, former general manager um, and whose son also works for the Miami Dolphins and has worked in New England, has worked for, several other people he thinks he's the best player in the draft. Todd McShea has talked about him as being a top five player in the draft if he were healthy. Uh, He has a torn ACL. And he also has some history back in high school that, um, you know, I won't sugarcoat. It's it's bad. Um, But there are a specific incident, I I would say.
1: Just to explain, um, there's video of him. Uh, punching a woman in defense of his mother. That's that, that, that. that's the incident in a sentence. There's obviously more. There's obviously more context, but that is the incident in a sentence.
2: Right, and it's from 2016. He was a high school recruit at the time. He ended up being charged with um, a crime, and he ended up uh, settling with uh, the woman, and you know, moving on. Every every indication we have, and Simon has done a, a whole lot of research on Jeffrey Simmons is he's been an absolute model citizen. You know, I forget what his GPA is at Mississippi State, but it's, you know, really high. Um, He's been a model player and citizen. But there's that video, it's ugly, and I don't want to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to excuse it. Um, It is what it is. Everybody's going to have to decide whether they're comfortable with it. But the ACL is a totally separate issue, right? He tore his ACL, I believe, in February uh, of this year, training for for the draft. So he's not going to be able to play in 2019. And that's what that's what I'm getting at with this uh, this 2019 value thing. Uh, he's a defensive tackle. He's super strong, explosive, very very heavy-handed. He plays a lot like I think he plays a lot like Lawrence Guy of New England. Uh, and so there's a natural analog for how he would fit in this defense. I also think when I watch him play, I'm like he's got he's got things going that I haven't felt like I've seen probably since. And sue uh in in exactly that way when he was at nebraska um aaron donald was a total you know he was a dominant force i loved him i thought he was one of the best players in that draft but he was a different kind of player um than than Domican sue i think jeffrey simmons is a little bit more like that like that indomitian sue very heavy-handed for a defense and a, a bunch of coaching uh coaches on the staff that say they're looking for heavy-handed players now that's their change um that's the kind that's their you know their preference so I think he fits perfectly for Miami. I think that he fits with this shtick.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: That they have where they're not going to care about 2019. um, He would make a really good pick for them at 13 overall. You could actually feel like, hey, we wouldn't normally get a player of this caliber at 13 overall. We're getting him because of this, you know, tanking thing in 2019,
3: it would feel a little to me like the Laramie Tunsil thing. I mean, different reason, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, Tunsil slipped; wasn't supposed to be there. Was supposed to be top three, maybe even first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that situation with the video that came out, and, and he drops to them, and obviously he's a really good player. I've sort of I, before we get into more players here, I just sort of have a, a theoretical question for you. Um, so, you know, I, I'm down with this, okay, with waiting a year for a guy. I, you know, I feel like, you know, again, if you're not winning a championship this year then, you know, as long as the fans are patient with it, it's okay. My question that always comes up, though, is how the other players in the locker room react to it. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. they still have some veterans on this team, right? I I know that they're not necessarily planning on keeping all of them, but, I mean, you still have Rashad Jones is still here. Xavier Howard is still here, you know, wants an extension. Uh, Laramie Tunsil wants an extension. Bobby McCain, I mean, Kenny Stills. I mean, there's enough vets on this team. Kenyon Drake's a young vet. Is there any concern for you? sort of the long-term damage that it does when an organization basically says, not only are we sort of not trying to win and we're leaking that out to everybody that we're looking for a quarterback in 2020, but also, you know, we're going to take a guy who can't even play for us this year, maybe. Like, Mm. how how do you think that plays?
2: You know, I I think that uh, they'd have to explain that this was a top-five pick that fell in our laps because of this injury. Um, You know, other teams have done it Uh, certainly the Dallas Cowboys that's what you you know it's all about talking points right so the Dallas Cowboys did it with uh with I believe Jalen Smith is is, I forget Mm -hmm. his last name yeah Um, but Jalen Smith they did it with him uh you know once upon a time the Buffalo Bills did it with Wills McGahee um you just have to explain that this is this is a, a very good elite level player that wouldn't have fallen in our laps unless it was unless there was this situation Uh, does the locker room get disheartened by it I don't know do they get disheartened by the fact that their quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick and not you know not somebody not somebody else maybe Um, it's hard to know it's up it's up for the coaches to determine how they need to proceed with the players to keep them locked in uh, and whether you can basically just make them afraid of their jobs and their NFL future enough that they stay locked in for you. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I, I think that if I were the Dolphins, I kind of have a, a, a thought in my head of how I would handle it, but um, but I don't know if it would work.
3: We'll get back to our episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery, call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while, call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash Five reasons. Also make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd, I, they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train, ship your car, fly, no job too big or too small. Ship your car. Now moves it all.
1: The Dolphins, in the last few years, I feel like have kind of had their selection made for them by the way that the draft kind of played out. Last year was Mika Fitzpatrick falling to them, and it just seemed like the most obvious thing to do. You thought he was a top-ten player. He ends up at, at, at 13, and, and you end up selecting him. Uh, even Devontae Parker felt like that's—wait, hold on. We're getting Devontae Parker in the mid-teens? It doesn't feel like that should happen. Larry Tunsil, the same thing. So I feel like, other than the Charles Harris pick, which is obviously later on in the first round— these picks have kind of been made for the Dolphins. So, would you anticipate CK a, a, a scenario like that happening? Whether it is you mentioned Ed Oliver, um, I'm mm. seeing him in mock drafts going as high as four. Um, is there is there a player that you think um, that could be considered elite by others, but maybe because there's a run on quarterbacks, maybe uh, you know Denver takes Drew Lock, maybe the Giants take Dwayne Haskins, maybe you know there's three quarterbacks in the top twelve, and so. Wh- whoever maybe the 10th best player in the draft is that shouldn't be there at 13 is going to be there by virtue of there being a run on quarterbacks.
2: Don't see it in this one, but, you know, hey, who saw Laramie Tunsil? I mean, yep. nobody nobody was going to – I did think that, you know, there was a fair chance Minka Fitzpatrick was going to be available uh, before – I still would have taken Derwin James. That was my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that it could happen. But it would be totally—I mean, as as you've implied, it would be totally unexpected. It would be—you know—I don't even know if there's any use speculating on it because, mm-hmm. you know, as of right now, there's there's no way to see Ed Oliver or Quinnan Williams, or Nick Bosa, or Josh Allen um, making it down to that pick. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't see speculating on it right now. And those are sort of the players that you're looking at, I think. I think Jawan Taylor, the Florida tackle, he's a right tackle. I think he is the best tackle in the draft. I think the best left tackle in the draft specifically is Andre Dillard of uh, Washington State. And, and he's going to get pushed up because he's a left tackle. But Jawan Taylor is actually the best tackle. Period. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Laramie Tunsil. Uh, he he would give me pause certainly if he were available at that pick, at that 13 overall pick. Even you know, as even looking at him next to a Je- Jeffrey Simmons or something like that. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, I don't I don't see it. I, I think that most likely they're going to try to trade down. I mean, that's yeah. That's got to be a, have been on their mind for over a year or for a year now since Stephen Ross kind of floated that to them last year. And then they refused and um, and or Chris, supposedly Chris Greer refused. But we know that Steve Ross actually floated it and we know that he was unhappy after the draft. It, I, I can't speculate on what exactly the dialogue was. But um, but yeah, so I think that had to be on their mind for a year and they're going to try it. It's just, you know, that doesn't manifest just because you want it to. I think there are a lot of teams that want to trade down. And probably only a few that want to trade up, or maybe only one, maybe only the Houston Texans. And so uh, they're going to be talking to all these teams that want to trade down, and they're going to look for them to sort of bid against each other and get that price down. And does the price end up making sense for Miami? I I don't know. It's... Anybody's guess.
3: I saw that Laramie Tunsel uh I I guess he was with Chris Sims and uh made it very clear he wanted Juwan Taylor to play right tackle for the Yeah,
2: he's a fantastic player.
1: (laughs) And, And and we're gonna need someone to protect who is blindside, so. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that you know, that's true, actually. I didn't even consider <laughs> right. That, but... Right. 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 Tackle is more important than left tackle for the next uh, 10 years. for The Dolphins.
3: Well, it is. And CK, I want to run this by you because, uh, you know, I, I think you are in agreement with me on this also about, you know, and this has been something's been out there for 15, 20 years. But I, I feel like everybody says it now about, you know, there are four premium positions. Right. Like, the, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson used to say this over and over. You know, it's it's quarterback, it's it's left tackle, it's corner and it's it's, you know, pass rushing defensive end, basically. Um, And so, you know, the Dolphins seem pretty set at two of those spots, provided that they give extensions to those two guys. Uh, okay. they have really nothing at the other two at <laughs> all uh, i mean i mean they, they don't even have aaf you know level talent you know in, in some spots um
2: hey they did know. sign J, J ron elliott well me.
3: they did yeah actually <laughs> I, they do have aaf level talent
2: They're they have aaf there. that is that is what they have they have aaf level talent
3: right so at quarterback and at, at defensive end but i would just ask this because you're talking about players you know who maybe you know are more interior players and such mm-hmm. um I mean, does that matter to you? I mean, are you the type that that would would say, okay, you know, we've got to address those two spots, whether it's, you know, I mean, quarterback we've talked about. But I mean, to me, to me, if I was to say if I could take a player at one position in this draft, I would say I'd want a pass rusher because they don't have anything Mm -hmm. resembling one other than, like you said, the one kid they picked up from AF and he's not that much of a kid anymore. (laughs) Uh, Right. I
2: mean, no, you're right.
3: They they don't have anything. I mean, they whiffed Charles Harris. I think that's pretty clear at this stage.
2: I'm, I'm almost signed off, signed out or, you know, checked out on him um, on Charles Harris personally. Uh, but to be fair, you know, the at this level at this stage of Olivier Vernon's career, his pass rush numbers look similar as far as the pressure rates and stuff go. Um, and then obviously he took a next step. But I think he was also more of a well-rounded player than Harris has shown himself to be thus far um you're right they don't have a pass rusher it, it looks it looks like i i, I used a uh, very unkind term in uh when i was talking to simon and alf about that that position um and i said that it uh, i said that they have refried ass at uh, defensive end right now <laughs> um but they you know that's that's what it looks like uh but what i'll say is and i i hate i hate to fall for this like i feel like i'm almost eating the cheese but you know, if you look at the Patriots and look at what they've done throughout the years, they haven't placed a ton of priority, a ton of resources in outside pass rushers um, over the years. And they didn't, they didn't resign Trey Flowers when he came up for, for extension. Um, They, you know, when Chandler Jones, they did spend a late first round pick on Chandler Jones, but then they traded him off before they'd have to pay him a lot of money. Um, I think that the system at, the system in New England specifically is getting pass rush situationally and by blitzing, and and through. And I hate to just put it all on scheme, but you know that's that's what they do. I think they value some other things much more. I think they value their defensive backs more. I think they value um, those interior and big boy and line players more. And I think that they value the versatile linebackers like Dante Hightower and uh, and Kyle Van Noy and even going back you know look at um look at other guys that have that have played there um on the outside I think <laughs> even going back to Tully Mandacane they value they value those um those versatile linebackers that can actually go to the outside and pass rush and be speedy pass rushers maybe that's not important in this system maybe that maybe that's the decision I don't know um maybe that they're going to say you know hey we would like to get some players there and they're going to spend like maybe a second, third round pick on it or something like that. But maybe it's not first round number 13 overall priority. I don't know. Um, It would make a little sense to me. I do know this. The biggest transition this defense is making from Matt Burke to brian flores is in the secondary and i've said that from the start because matt burke overused base defense with only four defensive backs on the field he overused it and then never put nine defense on the field with six defensive backs certainly never quarter with seven um so you know that was matt burke's defense underusing defensive backs brian flores in new england have been the complete opposite of that. Okay. So they they hardly ever use base with only four defensive backs. Hardly ever. And uh and they use dime or quarter six or seven defensive backs on the field at the same time nearly half the time. And if you look at Miami's secondary talent and say how are we going to staff that? <laughs> you know, we how are we going to how are we going to fill those positions? How are we going to get I mean, we're going to have a lot of defensive backs on the field and they're not very good. Like that's the biggest transition. They need a lot more secondary talent. That's why Alf Alfredo um, on our podcast has been predicting Greedy Williams for a long time. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, they are a man coverage team. They're the mo- possibly the most man coverage oriented team, a or defense in the league. And uh, Greedy Williams is a man coverage specialist. So that that would make a lot of sense. I always tell people, you know, that's the biggest transition. You know, don't look at the outside pass rusher and say that's how we need to transition to this new defense. I think the defensive backfield is a lot more important.
1: All right, uh, CK, I want to get to uh, your area of expertise, which is NFL draft dorkitude. Uh, mm. You are you are a level of researcher that I cannot possibly fathom. You know things about prospects that I have not heard of and will not have heard of by even the end of the draft process. So you spend a lot of time on this, so I just want you for the next few minutes to flex your muscles here i want to start first with day two uh either the second round or the third round a prospect you'd most like the dolphins to select with either of those two
2: picks well speaking of the secondary and and how much need that they have for the secondary i like isaiah johnson uh, the corner out of houston and um and i think that this is a guy that's a lengthy corner that has genuine genuine speed and and good hips but he's also like, Whereas Greedy Williams is not going to help you much in the run game and, and support tackling, uh, I think Isaiah Johnson has a different sort of attitude and will come up and, and hit you and be really, really physical. I'm not saying he's better than Greedy Williams. He is a wide receiver convert, um, and so it's, it's going to take him a little bit of time. But again, if you don't care about 2019 as much, uh, hitting a theme, then uh, then you're, you're going to allow him to develop. I think that that would be a fantastic pick for the Dolphins somewhere in day two that would give them a man coverage corner opposite uh, Xavier Howard to groom develop Um, and certainly you know they yes they did sign uh, the guy from uh, from New England that has the groin uh, injuries but you don't know how much that you're going to get out of him so yeah that's one that's one day two guy that I would just absolutely love to see but if you're if you're stuck on the pass rushers then I'll give you two One of them, LJ Collier of TCU, is a Trey Flowers clone. This is a guy that, um, if you watch him on on tape and watch him play against offensive tackles, I counted. I think I watched a couple of games of his, and I count. I was noticing something strange, so I went ahead and tallied it up. It was like six times that he actually just straight up punched an offensive tackle to the ground. It wasn't that the tackle like tripped on somebody or you know got in some awkward position he just knocked his ass out and um and that's that's what lj Collier gives you he's got those heavy hands uh he's a very powerful pass rusher he's got different pass rush moves he can pass rush inside outside really productive guy at tcu he went to the senior bowl and pro football focus had him with the highest pass rush win rate of anybody at the senior bowl and during the game itself you know he forced a fumble out of jared stidham which uh, admittedly isn't that hard to do because he's terrible under pressure um but you know, he he did well in the practices and the game the only time i've even seen him kind of look you know meh or average was when he faced west virginia offensive tackle Yadni kajust and that's another guy that miami ought to think about and one that miami has thought about and has brought in i believe for one of their 30 visits Yadni kajust is a very talented left tackle uh, from West Virginia, again, the only guy that I saw, you know, go toe to toe with L.J. Collier, and somebody that you could certainly look at um, as as being helpful to you, staffing that offensive line. I've mentioned before, Chuma Idoga of USC uh, might be one of the most effective tackles that I've seen. Period. Of anybody, the way the guy moves and the way the guy play is unfair. I think for a mid round pick, for a day two pick. Uh, the only reason he's there is because he's got a poor attitude. He's a very smart player. scored a very high wonder lick. um, but, you know, evidently he's had a poor attitude at times, and I, I'm, you, you could question whether Miami's going to touch something like that in, in the stage that they're in, but he's still really fantastic. Um, so, you know, I'd be tempted anyway. Uh, th- those are some of the guys that I would think about. Another one, I'll just finish one last one. If you want the big boys on the interior of the defensive line, I like Kalen Saunders. Of Western Illinois. He is a big, you know, 320 pound type guy. Uh, He came to the Senior Bowl, really wowed everybody, beat a lot of people. Um, He has that unusual athletic ability. You know, he can do backflips and stuff like that. Uh, Also, super high Wonderlick score, like in the 30s. Uh, He's a very smart player, uh, a very good character, high character guy. And when watch him up, I mentioned Easton Stick, the quarterback in North Dakota State, as as one of the guys I like. Watch his game, Kalen Saunders' game against Easton Stick. North Dakota State What you know, for all that I like Easton Stick, his team was built to absolutely dominate the FCS. They won, they win championships every year. It's like it's like the Patriots of the FCS, basically. And it starts with that offensive line in, in North Dakota State in the running game. And uh Kalen Saunders absolutely abused that offensive line uh the way that and he did it, he did it sometimes from like Outside linebacker, he's like a 330 pound guy, and they were using him as an outside linebacker, pass rusher in the game. And he was he was putting moves on guys and just like dusting them, like he's Brian Burns. Um, you know, it's it, it was really unique to watch the game that he had, the ability that he had, the Senior Bowl that he had. Everything keeps checking, you know, positive for Kalen Saunders. I'm wondering why he's not you know first second round pick type guy, but he, he keeps being put in the third round or maybe even the fourth round. I see him as a solid day two. You're going to be really happy with him. Uh, I've probably gone through more than enough players for day two,
1: though. Uh, Yeah, and, and, and we very much
3: appreciate that. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, we've had a lot of inquiries about how you can contribute to the Five Reasons Sports Network other than just giving us money, which we'll certainly take, or being a podcaster, and I have too many bad ones already. So here's (laughs) an idea if you want to get involved with us, and it goes beyond our new website, fivereasonsports.com, We are looking for sales representatives. Why? Because we have a lot to sell. We sell ads on our podcasts. We sell ads on social media. We also are selling sponsorships and banner ads on our website. So we got a ton of inventory to sell. We are credentialed with all five teams down here. We're fully established, and we just want somebody who can go out into the community and sell that product, sell Miami sports, buy Miami for Miami to the South Florida community. So if you want to get involved, here's two ways that you can contact us. One is by going to Skolnick at FiveReasonSports.com, and the other way is going to Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, at five reasons sports.com reach out one of those two ways and we will get back in touch with you and tell you how you can help and how you can make money
1: Uh, i actually want to close with something different i wanted to ask about a day three pick and maybe we can get one uh before we go but i wanted to ask about this idea that you've mentioned uh, a few times that's kind of the opportunity cost that maybe not going for wins in 2019 uh presents Mm. itself so if you were sort of advising the Dolphins on what they could do with this opportunity, if they are indeed, and I think this is coming from ownership level, so I think uh, the owner, Stephen Ross, is sold on Tua as a quarterback that can legitimately change his franchise, and, and frankly, I think that's a really good idea, but uh, it's going to take a lot in order to achieve that, so do you think that the opportunity for the Dolphins of not carrying a 2019 is like you said with the first-round uh, idea of uh, of uh, Jeffrey for, – forgive me, I, I forget his name at the top of my Jeffrey head. Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, yeah. So taking a player who is not going to play in 2019 and has maybe top-five pick potential, um, what kind of things would you then be targeting after that? If it's Is it more about maybe having a player that's excellent at one thing but scouts have picked him apart because he's really deficient in another area and your goal is to, over the course of that first year, build him up? What what kind of opportunities do they could present themselves by virtue of this strategy that they may or may not be pursuing?
2: Well, I'll give you a couple of examples and we'll we'll, we'll go with linebackers. Um, we'll move to linebacker. I think that Miami's looking for sort of two-way linebackers and their version of two-way is not necessarily run stop and pass coverage. Their version of two-way for a linebacker is pass rush and run stop. So if you're looking at a guy like Amecha uh, Egbele uh, of uh, Houston, uh, is a player that's been moved around in that Houston defense, and he's played overhang positions where honestly I hate that position. Um, they they put them so far out wide, defending wide receiver screens and such that um, they don't get a chance to really shine and, and do very well as players uh, and. And what you look at for him is, yeah, okay, because of that, because he's been used in these different positions, he hasn't been given the opportunity to shine the way that he could, uh, and he's also kind of raw, and he's also, uh, you know, he's, you're going to have to polish him up. Uh, another guy that's like that is uh, is Caden Ellis. Uh, he's a guy that Miami's paying very close attention to. Um, he actually is Luther Ellis' son. I don't know if you remember Luther Ellis. He was a Pro Bowl defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions. Uh, I don't think even even Luther Ellis knew how talented Caden Ellis is, but in his defense, I think he had something like twelve kids. So um, <laughs> Caden Ellis is, uh, is has been a linebacker for that uh, that defense of theirs, um, and and I think that he's been used the wrong way. He's been used more as like a classic. He's six foot three, two hundred forty two hundred forty five pounds, something along those lines. He's been used as sort of more of a classic linebacker. Um, sometimes an overhang defender playing playing a little bit too far out wide uh, like a Sam linebacker something like that Uh, you put his hand down and get him in pass rush he has great his agility drills are probably the best I've ever seen at that size Um, he has great agility he has great hip snap and flexibility on him the flexibility on this guy as a pass rusher if you put him down into a pass rush position more often you might be shocked just how good he is and so would his own father i think who was the defensive line coach for his team um i think that uh i think that that's one of the guys and, and by the way that that team I, I i think he was uh he was an idaho vandal um and and so i think that that's sort of the opportunity you're looking for is guys that were misused maybe a little bit maybe a little bit misunderstood in college that you're going to look at a different i'll give you another linebacker uh, out of oregon justin hollins who is a, a pass rusher linebacker a lot like Deion Jordan was, which, you know, bad name, right? But um if you're talking about day three, right? You're you're not talking about number three overall, you're not talking about first round pick. You can take chances on these conversions, on these, you know, hey, this guy was misunderstood or miscast or you know, not not thought of the right way, and we're gonna play him a different way and we're going to get that conversion, and we're going to collect on it. That's what I would probably be thinking if I were in the day three and the Miami Dolphins, and I don't care so much about 2019. I know I'm going to be making tough conversions for some of these players, um, but it might pay dividends down the road. The other thing I'd be thinking is, you know, hey, this is pretty deep offensive line group, and I'd continue to get some offensive linemen in day three, You know, like Nick Allegretti of, the, uh, of Illinois, who can play center and guard. Uh, scored the highest wonder lick I think of anybody in the draft Um, and Josh Miles of uh, Morgan State is another guy I saw live at shrine practices myself I mean this guy moves well he's a fantastic guard prospect keep pounding those guys as well the the offensive line bodies and and get them under Pat Flaherty and let him coach them up Um, but you know, go for some of those conversions. Really take some gambles.
3: All right, so I've got two questions. Trying to answer these in thirty seconds or less. All right, we're going to put you to the test here. No big words. Uh, all <laughs> syllables must be two or fewer. Okay. To be we're honest with you,
1: I'm 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 still glowing off a of fantastic guard prospect. I mean that that's that's why CK's here. That's why C K previews the draft for us because he has thoughts on fantastic guard prospects. Carry on. Right, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna let him boast
3: a little bit here on, on a couple of things. All right, but thirty seconds or less. Why did you like Pat Mahomes so much in college, and did you think he'd be this good
2: yeah i had him i had him as a number one pick for about two years before he was drafted um he was yes he he had the ability to be this good because he can throw the football anyway any way he wants anywhere he wants and he makes the, i look for guys that make the game look easy it, I, don't want to make it more complicated than that. But he makes the game look easy. And his last year there, I think his third down conversions when when he was throwing the ball or running the ball was something like insane, like over 60%, um, it which is, you know, you just don't see that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy that can throw it anywhere, from anywhere, any way you want it, and be really, really accurate. And that kind of throwing talent, that kind of throwing ability – and the way that he thinks, especially since he was, he's he had that athletic performance to him, you know, that sort of point guardish, um, you know, feel to him, uh, where the game, where where he's quicker than the game, and that's what I saw in him. That's what I loved about him. Yeah, I had him as a number one overall pick. I'd been boasting about him for well over two years before he was drafted. Um, yeah, there's a special place in my heart for him. <laughs>
3: all right, that's and, more than 30
1: seconds. And I can't even imagine how satisfying it must be watching him be the best quarterback in the league for a year when, like, you're on Pat Mahomes' corner to that degree. Like, I mean, yeah. that, that just has to be, you know, as good
2: as it gets as a football analyst. Well, that and the fact that he's not on the Dolphins, though. Well, I mean, when that. is it going to be their turn?
1: <laughs> maybe in 2020 which uh, which i think is kind of the uh the, the genesis of what we'll be talking about all right ck find him of course on three yards per carry in the five Reasons sports network with alfredo artiago and simon clancy uh subscribe to apple apple podcast google podcast uh spotify find all the information at five reasons check him out on twitter at ck parrot as well We'll be tweeting about a bunch of stuff throughout the draft as well i believe the Arts per carry will be doing a day two and or a day three podcast and of course a podcast recapping it all After its conclusion. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast.
2: Thank you for listening to the Five Reasons Podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime.